firstly, Peter, if I can begin by asking, just what is the idea behind this European Premier League? Hi, Quivin. So the, the the story of of the European Premier League is, as you said before, it's not really new in the sense that the European Super League project has been discussed, you know, going on decades at this stage. You know, Silvio Berlusconi, who was the chairman of AC Milan, the owner of AC Milan back in the day, uh, he tried to get something going at the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, then we had it again in the late 90s as well. And, and, you know, it seems that European football always has this big threat of a Super League uh, hanging over it. And, you know, primarily the reason for that is is, is financial. Uh, the biggest clubs uh, who would legitimately consider themselves the biggest draw in Europe every season. Well, what they want to do is they want to remind UEFA and they want to remind their own domestic leagues that they're the big dogs and they're the ones that bring in the money. And the best way to do this is almost to hold them over a barrel every now and again and say, unless we get exactly what we want, well, then we're going to use the threat uh, of the breakaway. And this is just the latest uh, iteration, I suppose, uh, of the Super League project. Now, I've done a lot of research. I've been a doing a bit of reading about this. And it seems that the story that broke from Sky News last week is actually a continuation uh, of a story that the New York Times journalist, uh, Tariq Pania, uh, well, he put it out last December um, regarding the European Super League. And at that stage, the project looked like it was backed by Florentino Perez, who is uh, the the president of Real Madrid, and also from uh, Gianni Infantino, who is the president uh, of FIFA. So while this project may have taken a lot of people by surprise uh, last week, um, it seems that it's maybe not a rehash wouldn't be uh, the right word, but it seems to be a reboot uh, of those ideas uh, that first came to the fore uh, last December. But for anyone that's following the politics of European football closely, it's no surprise to hear that the big clubs uh, are making a lot of noise about finances, about competitiveness, about money uh, all over again. Should it be of no surprise to fans of Premier League clubs and I suppose the wider European game to see when so much money is involved in these huge super clubs, their international conglomerates, billionaire backed, isn't it only natural that they would seize upon an opportunity like this pandemic where the, I suppose the balance on display is, is up in the air to try and seize it for themselves to make more money, make their clubs more profitable and increase revenue for their owners. Yeah, I mean, you know, an interesting quote that came through from, uh, you know, Lord Sugar from, from, from The Apprentice, who used to, who used to own uh, Tottenham Hotspur. He had a phrase about running Spurs and he said, money runs through this club like prune juice. And it was probably the most accurate description of football club finances that you could find. Because although these clubs make a lot of money and bring in a lot of money, so much more of it is going, is going back out the other side uh, in terms of wages for, for the first team squad primarily. So, you know, while, you know, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man United, they might be turning over the likes of 700, 800 million euros a year. Um, you know, very little of that stays in the club in terms of profit and cash reserve. A lot of it goes straight back out the door uh, when it comes um, to wages and whatnot. And and that has been exposed within this pandemic. You know, that six-month pause, well, sorry, the three-month pause um, in the Premier League uh, fixtures, you know, that, that was very, very close to doing a lot of damage at big, massive clubs like Arsenal, for example. And we saw Liverpool having to deal, you know, they had to deal with the fallout of, of uh, the controversy of the furlough scheme as did Tottenham Hotspur. It, it really showed that despite the fact that these are turning over tens and hundreds of millions uh, of euro every year, um, you know, there isn't an awful lot of cash available to burn through once this rainy day comes. And in order to shore up the position, I think what these big clubs want to do going forward, uh, and, and we saw that with Project Big Picture, is to make sure that they're buttressed 
against this sort of threat uh, in the future? Because, you know, you have to listen to, I suppose, the, uh, the, the chairman of Juventus, Agnelli, who's always talking about it. Um, Bayern Munich always talking about it. Now we see Man United and Liverpool always talking about it too. What they're concerned with is just growth, 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 growth. Whether that comes from new markets and new fans, whether that comes from broadcast deals, or whether it comes from prize money in new expanded uh, supra-national competitions. That's what these massive clubs are focused on because they know that the margins right now, even though they're making a lot of money, they're spending a lot of money and the margins are very, very tight at the top. Quite clearly, the incentive is there to increase revenue, the profits as well for the club. Fans seemingly are, are totally opposed to this proposal. Uh, of the big six that are involved, it's uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham and Arsenal. However, it has been mooted that one of those six would be left out. Does it show a worrying trend where you look back five, six years ago, we referred to the major clubs in the Premier League as the top four? When does it become a big six, big eight, top ten sort of scenario? And how do they sort of politically control this amongst their own voting ranks of the Premier League? Well, that's a, that's a very interesting point. Um, and we saw that, we, again, I'll just refer back to, to Project Big Picture. We saw that, um, I think it was the, the, the top nine, the proposal was the top nine clubs or the clubs that have been uh, the most stable in the Premier League. Well, they would get the increase of the voting rights. And I think when it comes to the top six in particular, they're not happy that, that you know, clubs can, can you know, like your, the smaller clubs, let's say like your Watfords and your Bournemouths and your Burnleys, uh, that they can come into the Premier League and have a large slice of the broadcasting revenue for that particular season. And they've got equal voting rights as these clubs who have done so much to promote and to grow the Premier League over the course of the last 25, 30 years. So, you know, for, if you've been a ruthless businessman about it, you can see their point that when it comes to ambition for these teams lower down uh, in the Premier League, well, the only ambition they have is to survive because they know that at a minimum they're going to get 100 million. Uh, so that they have the opportunity uh, to grow season on season. And all they have to do is to hang on to the coattails. 2000s, when Roman Abramovich came, came, about 10 years later, well, maybe not quite 10 years later, but later on that decade, we saw Manchester City doing it. And there was a huge pushback from the traditional European elite, particularly against Manchester City, and then later against Paris Saint-Germain. Because the likes of Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, these big European clubs, Juventus as well, who thought that they were being prudent financially and doing things properly and making sure that their wages, you know, didn't really go over 50% of, of, of their income. Um, but they could only grow to a certain point. And then you had billionaire owners and, and you know, state entities, effectively, with, with Paris Saint-Germain and Man City coming in over the top of that and causing all kinds of damage uh, to the traditional structures in European football by spending huge money on wages and huge money um, on transfers. And the reaction to that from the traditional elites with, with their, uh, I suppose, with their allies within UEFA was to come up with financial fair play to make sure that that traditional elite couldn't be disrupted anymore. And what you're seeing, I think, now with Project Big Picture and maybe with this new European uh, Premier League is another version of that. That, to make sure that the interests of, of uh, the, the interests of the of the traditional elite, of which Man United are a huge part, that they're going to be pr protected into perpetuity, so that any upstart club like an Aston Villa who's spending a lot of money, maybe like a Leeds who are beginning to come back on the scene, they want to lock those kind of clubs out forever to make sure that any potential prize money, any potential broadcasting money, does not. Um, cascade any further down uh, than the cabal in the top four, top five, top six. Gianni Infantino, the president of FIFA, he has come out yesterday and stated that he is against this proposal and he uh, uttered a kind of confusion as to how this came about. Initially, it was reported that it was with FIFA backing and it did look like 
FIFA wanted a slice of some of the very lucrative revenue UEFA have been receiving in recent times from the Champions League. Well, well, and Infantino says he's not interested in it, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, I suppose, contrary opinion about that. It's no secret that FIFA are looking to expand um, into the club game. FIFA have a, a you know, they've got a lot of cash revenues. Uh, they've got, I suppose, the access to the finances uh, to make a competition like this. And that Club World Cup, which is, you know, a minor distraction for the big European teams, is actually quite a popular tournament in, in, in Latin America in particular. You know, clubs like uh, Flamengo, River Plate, uh, they would see winning, um, you know, the Club World Cup as, as comparable to European clubs see winning the Champions League. But it's never really held that same kind of luster for European teams. You know, it's a break in the middle of the season and they have to go, you know, recently I think they've had to go to... Um, Abu Dhabi to play uh, Liverpool um, played last year I can't remember where they played but it was in the Middle East and um, it's no secret that FIFA are looking to expand that um, they're going to lean on the power of the clubs the European clubs to expand it into a 2014 tournament and that would mean that you're not just getting you know one European club you know whether whoever wins the Champions League has to go forward and play it no rather they will have um, a rotating cast, cast of, of maybe 8 or 12 uh, of the European clubs. So that would effectively supersede the Champions the European Champions League is the biggest club tournament in the world. It would take over the uh, the ICC which uh, goes to America and goes to China every summer as the prestigious friendly game tournament. It would mean that these big clubs uh, are going to play meaningful matches in markets that don't have these massive uh, global brands uh, for teams in their own leagues. Um, and, you know, FIFA have had their eye on that prize for quite some time. They, they know how to organize a tournament. You know, whatever ills have been going on at FIFA under Sepp Blatter over the years, um, they know how to organize a tournament. They know how to capture the world's attention with the World Cup. Uh, and they're trying, um, no doubt they're trying to make sure that a 2014 club tournament uh, will have the same kind of power. Uh, that their international World Cup will have. So I wouldn't believe Gianni Infantino when he says he's got no interest in the European uh, Premier League. In fact, I would probably read between the lines with Infantino. He might not be associated directly with this particular project, but make no mistake that FIFA definitely have their eyes on a big expanded club World Cup in the future. Isn't that exactly why fans enjoy these tournaments? Well, talking about the Champions League here in Europe, you know, it's the fact that Juventus play against Barcelona. It's rare. We don't see it that often. Ultimately, if it was played out in a Premier League setting, we would all become quite jaded and tired of it. Rory Smith wrote in the New York Times, he was talking about any league will eventually create its own West Broms. It doesn't matter if they're all going to be top class from whichever country throughout Europe. It's still ultimately going to have those clubs that are, are as unfashionable as some of the ones you see in the Premier League that do not sell out as many uh, jerseys or TV rights. Well, that's an interesting point. I think that would all depend on what kind of format this league would take. And, and from reading between the lines with the, with the Premier League, um, sorry, with um, the New York Times story uh, on the Super League last year with Florentino Perez's backing, you know, that was going to go into a knockout stage. So although there would be the, the preliminary fixtures, it still would come to a knockout. And I think you know, they would probably have their eye more on what, what the NFL does in American football rather than, than having, a, you know, sort of a 16 or 20 team league where somebody actually has to finish bottom. Because then you could have a situation where, you know, you had, um, I think it was the Chiefs that won the, the, the NFL last year. You know, a team that hasn't won anything in decades. Um, and I think if you have short seasons, um, you know, a longer off season where teams can renew, um, 
access to more funding uh, for wages and whatnot, I think that would create more of a level playing field. So rather than being entrenched in sort of the top four, six, eight positions season after season, I think if it came into a round robin situation, uh, into the knockout situation, then I think you'd probably have more scope for upsets, as it were, and more scope for that order to, to naturally sort of jiggle around season by season. So I don't know. I, I, I don't really see it. Um, as as a problem, I see. I, I would see it as a problem if 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 twenty teams were playing in, in sort of a, a you know a, a, a new league um, ladder system. But if you're going to get into knockouts and things like that, I do think you'd have the potential uh, for new winners to come. It's just a matter of whether the the hardcore fans out there of these clubs and even the casual fans, whether they would have the patience and the interest uh, to see the same clubs going up against each other season after season. I'm not so sure they would. If we can hone in on Manchester United for a moment, many people are reporting that Ed Woodward is very much so behind this idea that it's been a proposal of his and an ambition of Manchester United for some time now. You've been over there covering Manchester United for goal, Peter. Is it a situation now where they're playing money ball up in the boardroom and on the pitch they're just trying to get by with scrimping and saving? You know, I think Man United is, is, a, is a whole other subject in itself. I don't think it's any secret that the Glazer ownership has, you know, got involved with Man United, not to spend money and to keep Man United top of the pile. Like it, it got involved to you know, to make sure that they, they personally could make some money off the club. And, when, you know, all credit to them. That's what they've done over the past sort of 15 years. As Man United have diminished um, as a global brand and as, as they have diminished as a, as a successful football team. So I don't see a day coming under this Glazer ownership where all of a sudden they're going to say, well, OK, here's 400 million, here's 500 million that, you need, that the manager will go and have uh, to spend over the course of a summer. The Glazers got involved with Man United. You know, they leveraged the club. Uh, and and they they cream off um, the dividends and they, they cream off the shareholder payments. So, you know, they have been playing money ball in that respect for a long time uh, within Manchester United. You, you know, as um, as the team is diminished as an on-field force, um, you know, I think the, the the shareholders directors have 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 grown personally richer uh, through the process of own, of of owning the club. If you were to make a judgment, which Premier League teams would you say or? I suppose easier way of putting it would be which Premier League team do you think wouldn't make the cut out of the rumoured big six that are involved? I would say it would be natural for me to assume Tottenham. Um, if you look at the teams like, um, you know, if you look at your Liverpools who were the current champions, if you look at Man City who were the previous champions, if you look at Chelsea, uh, I think the last one is uh, under Antonio Conte, uh, Man United and Arsenal, huge global brands in their own right. I think you know, that sort of naturally settles into a top five. And, you know, by our metrics, you know, Spurs are a long way back uh, in terms of general interest uh, from that top five. And I know they got to the Champions League final under Pochettino, but, you know, I think it's it's really only the, you know, certain sections of the media in the UK that have Spurs within that that particular top six. They're successful, um, you know, going back over the years. I think they've only won cup maybe in the last 20 years or so. So, you know, I would say that Spurs would be the one Finally, just before I let you go, Peter, of the teams, I suppose, that would be remaining in this hypothetical scenario, looking at the likes of West Ham, Everton, Newcastle or Villa, would they see this as an opportunity perhaps to be a big fish in a small pond? I don't, I don't think so, because the Premier League immediately is a diminished product once, once those big teams, if those big teams leave the league, I think once those teams go, it ceases to become the Premier League. So therefore, sponsorship, broadcast money, all of that goes immediately out the window because if Sky don't have Man United to sell every week, then the other clubs are going to be in major trouble. And that's what all that's what the big clubs have always known, that the strength of the Premier League is sold um, solely on the strength of the top five or six clubs. So 
And anyway, I think even the fans would see it as a diminished title as well. I mean, if, if you won the Premier League and Liverpool weren't there, Man United weren't there, Chelsea weren't there, Arsenal weren't there, you wouldn't really have won the Premier League. You know, you're very much the best of the rest. So I think those, those clubs, and you can add Leeds United to that as well, I think those clubs would prefer to try and break into the cartel and take off with them and go and play the, the European Premier League rather than win a diminished title themselves. Just one final point. Is this most likely just a simple negotiating tactic placed by the major clubs in the Premier League? They had their project big picture proposal utterly rejected by all, all sectors of society and Premier League clubs in the end. Is it now an anchoring position where they can state we will leave if we don't get what we want? Um, at least not in the in the short term. Uh, UEFA have, have an agreement with the European Clubs Association, which is a memorandum of um, a memorandum of understanding, which lasts until 2024 at least. So if those clubs try to remove themselves from European competition uh, anytime in the next four years, well, there's going to be hell to pay in terms of financial penalties. So there's absolutely no way it's going to happen anytime before then. And like I said at the start of the call, Cuevin, I think that the clubs periodically sort of throw their toys out of the pram and just to try and, it's, it's a bit of sabre rattling, just to let, you know, governing bodies and let other clubs know where the power lies. And then if you try and inhibit um, our desire for growth, uh, then there could be hell to pay down the line because we're the ones with the power and you're the ones been dragged along for the ride. But these clubs aren't silly. They know the power of the Premier League. They know the power uh, of the Champions League. You know, you know, you look at these uh, Champions League winning players. They've got the, the actual, um, you know, they've got the trophy tattooed on their legs. Any new competition just wouldn't have the same esteem, the same luster um, as these traditional competitions would have. So I think it would be very, very difficult to drum up interest uh, in one of these competitions. I think more it's about rebalancing in their favour um, the finances uh, and the prizes and the influence within the leagues that they're already in. Fascinating stuff and I'm sure it's not the last we'll have heard of this European Premier League proposal. You mentioned it's been in the offing for, for some time now. Peter Staunton, Chief Football Writer with Goal, thank you very much for joining us on the Saturday Sports Show. Thank you, Cuevin. It's a pleasure.